you would turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 55, that is uh, the text for our message this morning. This is my favorite season of the year, Christmas time. I love decorating the tree. I love giving gifts. I love everything about the season, but I especially love Christmas music. I get excited in September and October when Christmas albums start to drop. And uh, the only problem is I have to be a little sneaky in how I listen to them because at that time there are people in my house who believe that it's too early to listen to Christmas music. But uh, today, we have the historical precedent for Christmas music, and it actually begins nine months before the big day. So FYI, feel free to listen to Christmas music starting in March. Uh, please stand with me as I read Mary's song from Luke 1, 46 to 55. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Let us pray. Shepherd of Israel, you gently support the one who is with child and call forth the lamb who dances in the womb. Store our hearts to recognize Christ's coming as Elizabeth recognized his presence in Mary's radiant obedience to your desire and open our souls to receive the one who came to love your flock. Amen. You may be seated. How many times do you think you might have heard the Christmas story or parts of it in your lifetime? I actually thought this through a little bit, and I would hazard a soft estimate of three to four times a year if you are a church person, and at least once a year if you are not. For me, that means that by the time I turned 18 and pretty much skipped the church scene as best as possible for the next 20 years, I had already heard the Christmas story 72 times at a minimum. Add the 20 for the years I didn't attend and you have 92. Now go back to the three to four for the last nine Christmases, and that puts me at around 110. Uh, in fact, this year I've already heard it about four times because I watched Charlie Brown's Christmas at least three 
Uh, and then I've been reading through it in scripture. But that's uh, a hundred and some odd times of hearing the story of the incarnation. A hundred and some odd times in my lifetime of being privy to the most wondrous mystery. God becoming man and intimately researching and ultimately knowing well the depths of the human experience. That's a lot of reruns. If you came to church this morning expecting to hear something new about Christmas, some crazy new idea about what happened back in Bethlehem, I have bad news. This is just another rerun. Don't get me wrong, the Christmas story is always a compelling rerun, in my opinion, and it's one worth paying attention to, but it's not a new story. I'm glad that I get the opportunity to retell it. This part of the story, Mary's trip to Elizabeth's house that comes on the heels of her knowing that she is going to be with child, this song that she sings, it doesn't necessarily get as much attention, perhaps, as some of the rest of the story, but it is definitely an important part of the story. Mary, who would ultimately birth a baby far from home, who would entertain shepherds in the hours after her labor, who would hear stories of a heavenly host of angels singing, who would hear prophecy and praise and ponder the moments. This Mary was so taken aback by what God was doing before all the really amazing things started happening, that she worshipped God using words and phrases and ideas she had heard all her life. I think about Mary in that moment when the angel appeared to her. Think of her as a peasant girl, poor, a Jewish girl living under Roman occupation, mostly a normal life, going to the well, getting water, coming back, feeding the animals, taking care of her family with her mother and her sisters. But always one lived with a sense of the desperation of their current circumstances and the hope of a promise yet fulfilled. Jews today still live in the sense of anticipated hope, waiting for the promised Messiah. Jewish girls then and now wondered every time if their child would be the one. So despite the awful weight of the angel's message, an, unword, an unwed mother was not a proud circumstance for Mary to find herself in, there was also a sense of awesome responsibility. And Mary, on hearing the news of her unexpected pregnancy, goes to visit a relative who also has unexpected news of pending motherhood. Think about this for a minute. God has chosen two pretty unlikely people to be in this part of his plan. Mary... And Elizabeth, both poor, 
Mary was from Nazareth, which we remember Nathaniel later in Jesus' life saying, can anything good come from there? Probably already meant someone like Mary. And Elizabeth lived in a remote enough place that it isn't even named in Scripture. They were both women, which automatically made them of lesser stature in that day. And Mary was the worst. She was an unwed mother, not only unwed, but betrothed to someone else who now suddenly finds herself pregnant with a baby. Elizabeth was old and barren. Mary was young and a virgin, and they had little to offer their society as a whole. They are the unlikeliest of choices for any kind of work of God. And yet, here they were, obedient, willing servants, waiting on God. Elizabeth's recognition of Mary is prompted by the Holy Spirit. She shouts a greeting to Mary. It echoes the angel's earlier pronouncement. Mary, you are so blessed. You have trusted God and he will accomplish much through you. And Mary just pours out these words of the wonder and majesty of a God whose holiness and power and justice and goodness and faithfulness are known and expected. Hear her words again. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He has looked on with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. It's a Christmas hymn before there were Christmas hymns. Mary tells us why she said yes when the angel told her the impossible was going to happen. She already knew and loved and trusted the God he represented. Because Mary's song isn't about Jesus in the sense that it could not have occurred to her that it was about the babe she would carry. He hasn't been born yet, and she cannot possibly understand all that he will be. Mary's song is about God. The God she already knows and has heard about and trusts. That's what this song is about, what the song brings to us. A New Testament psalm of praise, carrying forward the themes and ideas of God into this period that is the advent of Christ. For 400 years in the life of the Jewish people, God has held off new revelation. Mary has been waiting with her community knowing that he is still their God, he is still present, he has just been silent. 
And so as he comes to her and prepares to finalize his revelation through his son Jesus, as he prepares to offer the salvation he promised from the time of the fall on, the words of praise his people offer from Mary, then Zechariah after John's birth, and Simeon as he blesses the newborn Jesus, all of them echo the praises of the past. The story of God's salvation in times past for Israel is the story of his hand in the present, knowing who God is and how he has moved, prepares us for who he will be and how he will move. God uses the praises of his people to shine a spotlight on who he is and what he has done and to prompt us to trust him. Mary's song is a revelation. It is a revelation of Mary's understanding. It is a revelation of Mary's expectation. It is a revelation of Mary's delight and wonder at being the one chosen to birth the promise that will save the world. I think that the wonder Mary felt and that she conveyed here in these words was part of what brought the whole story to us. I imagine Mary whispering these words under her breath as she and Joseph made their way first to Bethlehem and then to Egypt. I imagine her singing these words to her other children as a lullaby when they were little. I imagine her telling her children and grandchildren all about how Jesus was born all through her lifetime. I imagine Luke sitting down with Mary and asking her to tell the familiar tale. I imagine Mary taking in a breath and with her eyes full of all that had happened, telling once again of the angel's visit, of her trip to Elizabeth, this song of praise, John's birth, her trip to Bethlehem, sitting next to the manger, the shepherds coming, the wise men from far away. She tells it all, but it starts with a song. It starts with remembering God's faithfulness and so knowing that since he has kept those promises, he will keep this one. What better way to kick off Christmas week than with that same remembrance? Our modern lives can be so hurried and full of busyness. It's easy to miss or at least to skim over the incredible depth of all that Christmas commemorates. We enjoy the parts and the pieces, the decorations, the gifts, the programs, the celebrations, the family time, and of course, the music. But for today... Let's take a moment and think about what it is Mary was so full of joy about and how her song is a beautiful picture of who God is. She has told us that God is good. She has started with a general praise to God from her deepest self. 
She moves to wonder at his remembrance of her, recounts his holiness and mercy, and then gives details of his work in the world, delighting in the fulfillment of his promises to Israel. The song of praise that Mary sings may have been the first Christmas carol, but it was certainly not the last. One researcher estimates there are nearly a million Christmas songs. The most commonly recorded, according to the research, is Silent Night. But really, any song that extols the merits of our God and King is a Christmas song. Worship songs are Christmas songs because we worship the one who made Christmas possible. We worship God because that Christmas gave us Jesus. And Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our redeemer. Jesus saves. Mary may not have understood the method, but she understood the purpose. She knew salvation was at hand. She anticipated and celebrated it. And we have an obligation to do the same. Every year, whether you start in October listening to Christmas music or with the first Sunday of Advent, anticipate what God did. Recognize the wonder of it, the miracle of it, the grace of it, and then celebrate the fulfillment of it. God promised, and then he did it. Because of his filled promises, we can trust him with what's next. I would ask each of you this morning to think about the ways in which you perhaps do not always trust him. Perhaps you are sure you know exactly how something is going to turn out. Maybe you have an understanding about what you think will happen next. Take a moment and offer that circumstance, that challenge, that area to God. Praise God for who he is. Remember his holiness and grace. Remember his past work. And trust him to be true to his promises. In that act of trust, may you find renewed peace in the midst of trouble and greater joy in the moment of trial as you lean into the faithfulness of a God whose word never fails. Let's stand together as we close in prayer. O God of Elizabeth and Mary, you visited your servants with news of the world's redemption and the coming of the Savior. Make our hearts leap with joy, fill our mouths with songs of praise, that we may announce glad tidings of peace and welcome the Christ in our midst. Amen. You are dismissed. song.